the suburbs of the thriving metropolis that is Des Moines, Iowa. Welcome to Chat'em Up! Each week, DCA brings an infotaining look at the recent happenings along with stories, conversations with guests, and more. And now, here he is, David C. Anderson! Thank you, Mark Bitters, for that wonderful introduction. Hi, everyone. I'm David. I'm the host. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for stopping by. I hope all of you had a very nice Easter. And by that, I mean hopefully you didn't ruin the day by eating the worst candy ever created. And of course, I'm talking about Peeps. Make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast here on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are found. I want to say thank you to everyone who provided more five-star ratings and reviews this week for the podcast. That really means a lot to me to read the feedback and to know that so many of you are really enjoying the podcast and are listening each and every week. Couldn't do this without you, so thank you very much for all of your support. It is greatly appreciated. Make sure you're following the podcast on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chatham Up Podcast. That's Chatham Up Podcast. One more time, follow us on social media at Chatham Up Podcast. Speaking of the Chatham Up Podcast, we got some great feedback from last week's episode with my very own son, Owen Anderson. Owen is a fine young man, and I thoroughly enjoyed the time that we spent just hanging out and catching up and getting to share some of our experiences and conversations with all of you. For those of you who listen to the podcast, you know that Owen is a bit of a podcaster himself and has a great podcast and the Mountain Dew podcast, which you can find pretty much wherever all of the great podcasts are found. And Owen is quite the character. If you are part of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Patreon exclusive Facebook group, Owen is quite the superstar. And certainly if you listen to our interview, you know exactly why. So again, and a big thank you to my son, Owen, for being my featured conversation on last week's episode. But before we get into what's been happening since our last chat, let's take a moment to hear from a few of my favorite podcasts. This is former Create a Pro champion and CAP graduate Johnny Clash. And I'm here with George Feast, and we've got some questions for you. What's your favorite video game? How about your favorite console? Do you want to revisit the best and worst in video games? Then the Game Marks podcast is for you. Tell them, George. Each week, we do a deep dive into a different wrestling video game covering exclusive features, rosters, gameplay, and more. And at the end of every episode, we offer a bar rating of Play It Forever or Future Endeavor. Plus, gaming rumors and breaking news. How do your favorite games hold up? Think you've played the best and worst of them all? No chance in hell. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you choose to listen. And connect on social media and Twitch at Game Marks Pod. The Game Marks Podcast. It's time to play the games. Hey everybody, this is Smart Mark Sterling, producer of the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And have you ever asked yourself, what match should I watch? Or... What beer should I have? Well, it's time to let the Off the Hop Rope podcast help you decide. It should be the perfect beer for the perfect match. That's why each week we enjoy and review a specific craft beer and match it with a classic wrestling match from the past. Sit down with myself and fellow indie wrestlers, top shelf Trey Nelson, and the abominable, I mean Nick Stapp, as we break down the hops 
in the pops. Follow along at Off the Hop Rope on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you. Cheers and sláinte. Cilantro. What's up, everyone? This is Danny Tancredi. Johnny Tancredi. And Papa Bear. And we are the Card Foundation Podcast. Are you looking for advice on what your wrestling card collection is worth? Which rookie card to invest in? Or what to look out for when submitting cards to be graded? And this is the show for you. Each week, we discuss the latest buzz within the wrestling card hobby. We also take a deep dive into a different wrestling card set. From 1985's OPG to 2020 Top's Finest and everything in between. New episodes drop every Thursday and are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to great podcasts like this one. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at CardFoundPod and on Instagram at CardFoundationPod to keep the conversation going all week long. So, when it comes to wrestling card podcasts, we are the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Let's talk about what I've learned this week. What I've learned is always be careful about allowing other people to define what your overall worth is, whether it's in your personal or your professional life. Do not allow the opinions of others to dominate the perception of your importance in this world. Never make someone a priority when all you are to them is an option. Make time for the ones who make time for you. In the What I'm Watching segment, Major League Baseball is back, baby! Cubbies are looking a little suspect right now. Didn't have a great opening day, dropping Game 1 to the Pirates, but they did come back in Game 2 with Pirate Killer Big Game Jake Arrieta on the bump and were able to right the ship. See what I did there? My biggest concern for the Cubs in the 2021 season is without a doubt the bullpen. Well, the bullpen and the prospect that the front office will end up dismantling the team before the All-Star break, but... I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I guess I'm just going to have to tune in to the other 160 games and find out exactly how this season shakes out. Last Thursday, I received my second dose of the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. I had the same arm soreness for a couple of days as I did with my first dose and some general fatigue, but nothing too serious and I'm just so thankful that I was able to get my vaccination completed. I'm also very excited to see that so many of my friends are posting online that they've either started or have now finished the shot process too. It's so many, in fact, that I'm actually starting to keep track of where my squad is with their vaccination schedules because I'm ready to get back to being able to safely spend time with my crew. And again, I'm just so grateful that within the next 30 days, my inner circle will be able to safely resume spending time together after over a year apart. I'm also very happy to report that I will be 100% fully inoculated and vaccinated for my upcoming trip to Wisconsin to take part in the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Live 7 and ACW Wisconsin Water City Wrestling Con events. Both of these shows are sold out. If you didn't buy tickets, you have no one to blame but yourself. For those of you who did buy tickets, I can't wait to see all of you in Oshkosh. I'll be giving out free hugs with your proof of full vaccination. For those of you who aren't fully vaccinated yet, well, I guess your consolation prize will be an L-bump. With all this jubilation of a sense of normalcy on the cusp of returning, I thought it would be fitting to feature 1997's banger hit, Return of the Mac, by Mark Morrison. Let's go to that now, and on the other side, my conversation with independent wrestling star, VSK. Oh, 
My guest this week is one of the most talented professional wrestlers on the independent circuit today. He is the reigning Creator Pro Wrestling Champion, and on April 8th, you can see him defend his Creator Pro title in the main event of FWF Live against the one and only Matt Cardona. Please say hello to VSK. Hey, what's, what's going on, man? How are you? How does the world find you on this wonderful evening? Oh, well, you know, since this has been such a breeze to get set up, first try, no problems at all. I'm I'm feeling good right now, you know. Well, I appreciate you working through <laughs> these technical difficulties. I uh, imagine they're I all on my end, so don't worry about it. No, no, it's all good. I, I like the champion that you are, Vinny. You have you have stuck <laughs> through. We're finally recording about an hour after we said we were going to get started, but nevertheless, <laughs> we're here. I've got the champ on the line. Let's get into it. Like I said, you've got a big title defense coming up this week against yeah. Matt Cardona. But we'll get Absolutely. to that in a minute. First, let's go back and let's figure out how we got here. Tell me about young VSK. Vinny, what kind of a kid were you? Were you a good student, a good athlete, both? Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, I was a 
decent student and uh, I wrestled uh, in middle school, in high school, and then a year in college. Uh, and I kind of decided the whole time I, I was growing up, I knew I wanted to be a wrestler. Uh, and I thought that the way to do that was, you know, do well in school, go to college, graduate college, wrestle the whole way through amateur, you know, uh, doing in, in high school and college. And then when you get out, the natural progression is to, you know, hop from, from one wrestling to another. When I was growing up, uh, Shawn Michaels had his wrestling academy open. So I assumed I was going to graduate college, be a successful uh, collegiate wrestler, and then go to Shawn Michaels school and get to WWE by the time I was 25. Now, as a 34-year-old looking back on this, that seems kind of silly now. Uh, but I had my whole life set up there uh, for a little while. Um, but, uh, you know, since I'm uh, a young guy, uh, young kid, uh, wrestling has been the, the goal for me. It, it's been the dream for me. Uh, I can remember watching uh, WrestleManias with my parents because my dad used to be a fan. He, uh, he and my mother went to WrestleMania 2 at the Coliseum. Uh, m- one of my first toys as a kid was the LJN uh, Big Rubber Hulk Hogan. So, you know, it, it, it seemed like the whole time I was going through school and going through sports, the end goal was doing all of this stuff to prepare me for uh, my eventual professional wrestling career. You mentioned that you wrestled a freshman in college for a yes. year. I had yes. no idea that you were a collegiate wrestler. Talk yeah. to me about that. So, um, like I said, I kind of just always thought that was the path. Um, and, you know, I, I graduated high school in 2005, not to age myself, but I already told you the exact number, how old I am. So, like, you know, when I started um, wrestling in middle school, it was right around the time that, like, guys like Kurt Angle and, like, Chris Benoit were showing off their, you know, mat wrestling chops. And I was just kind of like, okay, this is what you got to do. So I did okay in middle school. Uh, I did decent in high school. But I did not place in the county tournament, which was always my big dream. Uh, so when I got out of high school, I said, you know, I'm going to go to SUNY Oswego uh, in upstate New York. I'm going to join the wrestling team there and I'm going to try and uh, make up for what I you know, didn't get accomplished in high school. Uh, but unfortunately, things just didn't work out being away at school. I ended up getting very homesick. Uh, I was dating my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and being six hours away from each other just wasn't working for us. So I ended up uh, wrestling for the first semester and then deciding to not go back for wrestling uh, in the second semester. Finished up uh, school when it started uh, back in the second semester. And then I actually came home and helped coach my high school team for a year. And that was kind of like in that time between um, my uh, – one year away at college and when I started wrestling school that was kind of when I got things together and like you know my ducks in a row to begin that journey of professional wrestling that's when I started you know getting more serious with uh with the gym and trying to look into this and how one becomes a professional wrestler uh because by this time the Shawn Michaels school had already closed and I didn't know much about independent wrestling I didn't know where you go to do that or how you start training I just knew that there were schools out there, but I didn't know where they were, or how to even, you know, enroll in one. So we come back again to to the amateur wrestling, to the collegiate wrestling. What weight class were you wrestling under? 
Oh my goodness. So, do you so remember? This, oh, of course I do. This is part of my body dysmorphia still to this day. Uh, my senior year of high school, I weighed 135. Uh, and I still can look in the mirror and see myself as a 135-pound wrestler. When you were watching wrestling on television, guys at the time certainly came up through the amateur ranks. But I guess my question is, did you actually enjoy amateur wrestling, or was it something that the only reason you were doing it was because guys like Kurt Angle had gone the amateur way, and you felt like that was the way, that was the path that you had to take also, or did you actually enjoy amateur wrestling while you were trying to fulfill that path that you felt you had put yourself on at the time? You know, I, I did. Um, at, you know, at the time, that was some of the best times uh, I'd ever had. That was, uh, in a lot of ways, the thing that got me through high school and, you know, turned me into the person uh, who I've become. Uh, I, like I said, I think that was when I started doing it. It was like, OK, this is the path. Uh, to getting uh, a professional wrestling start. But then once I was there, it kind of just takes over. And that became my my world then, uh, where obviously I was still watching professional wrestling, but everything I was doing, uh, you know, involving collegiate wrestling kind of took over for me. Uh, I was very happy to be to be wrestling to the point where me and my friends used to break into the school at night and on weekends uh, to train extra. And we would do like uh, three, four, five mile runs as a team uh, just to get as much of, you know, the wrestling experience as we could. I, I absolutely loved it. And I think that it helped, like I said before, shape uh, who I am as a person today. I didn't know this at the time going into it, but there's a lot of discipline that gets taught to you in wrestling. There's a lot of body control, mental control that I, I probably wouldn't have tapped into or been able to tap into as quickly as I did had I not, you know, started wrestling. And it's a really cool thing when you start doing that young, where you actually, you, you grow up, uh, you kind of grow into yourself and have this thing that's guiding you without even realizing that it's guiding you. So you mentioned previously that your parents went to WrestleMania 2 at the Coliseum there yes. on Long Island. So obviously you were exposed to professional wrestling at a pretty young age. Do you remember what your first memories of pro wrestling were? Uh, I, I actually do. So there's a, there's a couple that are just like uh, bits and pieces. Uh, I can remember my dad used to once a month go to like, you know, whatever magazine shop or cigar shop and get me the newest uh, wrestling magazine. And I remember him bringing home one. I had to be like, maybe two or three. And I remember him bringing home one that had Hogan on the cover. Uh, I remember that we used to watch superstars every morning. Uh, like that was what was on the TV while I was eating my breakfast as like a, a toddler. Uh, but the first match match that I actually remember is WrestleMania seven, uh, macho versus the ultimate warrior. I actually have those two Mattel figures right uh, front and center in my display because of how much that match means to me. Um, I remember sitting on the couch watching it, my mom, my dad, my uncle, and my aunt, uh, holding and hugging my macho man wrestling buddy and just being kind of overwhelmed by all the emotion that was in that match. That was like the first time where I had this reaction to a wrestling match where it was more than just like, these are cool moves or these are larger than life cartoon characters. When Macho and Elizabeth finally got back together at the end, I remember as a 
child getting emotional about it and being like, this is something special. And I think ever since that moment, I've just been so enthralled and so hooked on it that it's like it's my greatest addiction, this professional wrestling thing. And that's wild to me because I don't know you super well. And I've always known you to be a Shawn Michaels guy. But yes. listening to the story, you're you're I guess the first guy, you're a macho man guy at heart at first, right? Uh definitely, definitely. Big time. And I I, I remember as a kid, um, my dad, when I asked him, because wrestling as a kid, that was like the thing that completely just overtook my life. I I played with like Batman and Ninja Turtles figures, but the main thing that I wanted to do was read wrestling magazines, play my wrestling figures. I used to give my parents quizzes about uh, the happenings of current day WWF, uh, you know, who won this match and what's this guy's finishing move. And I, I just, Macho was that guy that kind of like Hogan attracts everybody. He's the big larger than life superhero. But I remember seeing Macho and being like, this is my guy. This is the colorful flamboyant guy that I have this like deep connection to. Uh, but I, I'm sorry, I, I sidetracked myself. Um, I remember asking my, my dad in one of these uh, Vinny uh, interviews that I was giving uh, and asked him who his favorite wrestlers were, and he told me the Rockers. So one year for uh, Father's Day, I actually went to Toys R Us and bought him uh, the Rockers Hasbro figures as a gift because they were his favorite tag team. I assume I, my parents paid for <laughs> their own gift, but... Uh, and then once uh, Hogan left WWF and once Macho left WWF, there was kind of like this, okay, well, who's my guy now? And I thought back to my dad liking the Rockers, and I kind of had this thing where, like, Hogan uh, left and betrayed me as a little kid, and everything opposite of Hulk Hogan is boy toy Shawn Michaels, and now that's my guy. A very strange conscious decision for, like, a five-year-old to make, but <laughs> I remember very clearly doing it. No, I, look, it, it makes perfect sense. Hogan's gone. He left the territory. Macho's gone. He left the territory. They abandon you. They exactly. left for the greener pastures of, of Ted Turner's organization down south. And, and young VSK is there looking to someone to pick up the pieces of his uh, of the shambles <laughs> of his wrestling fanhood. And lo and behold, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, standing there as How about the white that? knight. I, I didn't. I didn't want to be hurt again, so I turned to the heartbreak kid. <laughs> the irony. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. So you you start out as a fan. You start out as a big Macho Man guy. And then as you get a little older and, again, as, as Hogan and Savage leave the territory, there's Shawn Michaels. And really, so from about 1994-ish until present day, you've yep. been a Shawn Michaels guy. So That's my guy. You shared the story that one of the big reasons that you picked Sean as your favorite was because your dad had previously told you that the Rockers were his favorite. So mm -hmm. you were already predispositioned to like Shawn Michaels. You decide that, all right, the Heartbreak Kid, he's my guy. So now we're talking about, you know, like I said, 1994, 1995. Sean is really coming into his prime as a single star. He's mm -hmm. getting ready to get the big push. He's going to start main eventing WrestleManias. Where did you sit as a fan seeing Shawn Michaels go from being, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say, a tag team specialist with the Rockers <laughs> to now morphing into the the solo act, the Heartbreak Kid? 
Uh, I think it's interesting how, like, as I was becoming more aware and, like, you know, getting out of being a toddler and kind of trying to develop my own identity, he was also, like, Shawn Michaels was making this transition and finding his identity as, like, strange as that might seem. Like, I'm little boy Vinny trying to figure out my way, and there's, like, man Shawn Michaels trying to figure out, you know, who he is as a competitor and a performer. And I think we kind of just both found our stride around the same time to the point where his progression affected my progression. And that's just I tried to emulate him in everything I did. I tried to talk like him. I tried to to have his mannerisms. Uh, there's fun things like uh, I do this thing where I'm chewing gum, but I'm not actually chewing any gum in my mouth uh, because Shawn Michaels does that in his matches. So I do it in mine. So, like, I think uh, we kind of strangely developed together forced by myself because I was just so enamored by this guy. And then also that was around the same time that um, we started recording everything on VHS tapes. So like I had all these major pay-per-views recorded on VHS tapes and it was like the growth of Shawn Michaels that I would just watch over and over and over. And I just wanted to study all of his matches. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched the 95 Royal Rumble and seen that one foot hit the ground. We touched a little bit about your fandom of Shawn Michaels. I've been told that you have actually named the man cave that is in your home (laughs) after Shawn Michaels. So tell everyone the name of your man cave and then talk to me about some of the Shawn Michaels memorabilia that you have specifically what I know is front and center on the wall behind where you're sitting right now. (laughs) Well, I, this is this is funny because I actually I was just at Brian's house this past weekend and I was commenting on the fact that he decided to name my man cave Hicken's Bottom, which is hysterical. And I'm all for calling it that because it's it's too good not to. Uh, but when I uh, first redid my basement, decided it was going to be a wrestling themed man cave. Uh, the literal first thing I did was open Microsoft Paint and I counted out how many frames I would need and then tried to figure out a layout for those frames of what would be the best looking uh, way to display all the Shawn Michaels WWF magazine covers. So it's uh, it's the only thing I can compare it to is like a headboard. If you had like a headboard of picture frames, that's what's right behind my uh, couch looking at my TV. And it goes from his first cover as the Rockers all the way up to his last cover for WrestleMania 26. And I have them spread out in this like fun little design in chronological order. Uh, And then beyond the magazines, I have uh, two uh, of the like six foot or whatever it is, five foot detolfs that have um, 10 shelves or eight shelves, whatever it is of Shawn Michaels career through figures being the Hasbros, the AWA figures, uh, Mattel, Jax, like all in order of, you know, I've got a shelf that's just the Rockers, a shelf that's uh, his breakup with Marty, a shelf that's just like 94, 95 Sean, 96 Sean, all the boyhood dream type figures. Uh, So a little crazy there. And then uh, I have two other details that are just random displays. And I have Shawn Michaels front and center in my, 
uh, new gen shelf. I have a Hasbro shelf that has the rockers front and center. And then I have two more shelves with all of just the excess overflow Shawn Michaels that I didn't know where to put like his maximum sweat and the, uh, Shawn Michaels dressed as Hulk Hogan, uh, ruthless aggression figure. So I just have, uh, I guess you'd say too many Shawn Michaels figures. Well, hey, you sold me on the fact that you are a chronological display guy. That's how yes. I am. Oh, I, awesome. It, my OCD just kicks into overdrive if, if things aren't displayed in chronological order. Absolutely. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you. So is it... Is it a fair assumption to say that you have every Shawn Michaels action figure that's ever been produced? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be truthful and say, I probably don't. Uh, there were definitely times in the ruthless aggression era where I was like, this figure sucks. I don't want it and I don't need it. So I probably didn't get them. I know Mm -hmm. there's one, like there's a, uh, classic superstar Shawn that's in black tights with, uh, white, like zebra print hearts that just has no no like accessories to it it's just like plain black and white deco and i had never seen it before until i went down this rabbit hole and i was like oh this figure is not that great anyway i have a bunch of other figures with this head i don't need that one and now every day i look at it i'm like should i just bite the bullet and buy it and i feel like there's a lot of (laughs) figures the answer is yes (laughs) the answer is yes I feel like there's a lot of figures like that, like the deluxe aggressions one where it's like they're exactly the same as the regular aggression ones that I have. And it's just like I was never trying to be like a completist of this, but I think basically Brian bullies me into being a completist and Brian will just send me a link to a YouTube uh, uh, I'm sorry, an eBay auction at two in the morning and be like, you need this. And it's like, mm-hmm. ah, I guess I guess I do. I don't know. I just want to be. Uh, friends with you i guess i'll buy this figure (laughs) yeah he's he's definitely he's a pusher he's an enabler of course when we say brian we're talking of course about brian myers last thing about Shawn michaels so obviously i'm sure the question that you get or talk in circles of wrestling fans is always when it comes to Shawn is well you know what do you think is Shawn's best match or what do you think you know what is your favorite match of Shawn? so I'm going to flip the script on you a little bit. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me your favorite Shawn Michaels match that isn't one that every fan always chooses. Not the Iron Man match, not the ladder match from WrestleMania 10. (laughs) Give me one of of VSK's favorite Shawn Michaels matches that isn't in the top two or three that everybody always chooses. Okay, so there's one on Monday Night Raw. It's Shawn's first match back after losing at WrestleMania 10. Uh, they have a, a match, Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, one-on-one on Raw. I think it happens in July or August of 94. Uh, I would check the network, but WWE decided they don't want me to watch wrestling anymore. Uh, that's one of the best singles matches I've ever seen. Uh, there's a tag match that's right around the same time that was either on Superstars or Mania. It's on. It was on the network under the Shawn Michaels DV, or VHS section. It's Shawn Michaels and Diesel against uh, Razor Ramon and 1-2-3-Kid, one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. They're doing stuff in 1994 that, like, is maybe, like, I would say at best common now, but they're still doing stuff that, like, you watch. This match stands up in 2021 when you can watch AEW and they're doing some of the most spectacular things you've ever seen in the world or an NXT TakeOver tag match. Like, I would hold this match in the same light. Uh, 
there's also later, Sean, uh, like 2007, there's uh, a series of matches he has with Randy Orton. And there's one really good one where the stipulation of the match is he is not allowed to use uh, the super kick. So that's like a fun match where they find creative ways to do falsies and things like that. And then my last one, uh, Raw, I want to say it's New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, either 2003 or 2004. Uh, They are in San Antonio, Texas, and it's Shawn Michaels versus Triple H for the world title. Unbelievable match. The, The selling in that match is like, another level and just the the story they're able to tell without doing any like crazy high spots is just amazing how's that <laughs> that's pretty impressive i i mean i i figured you'd give me one or two i think you gave me four or five hopefully I have everybody problem. was taking notes yeah and when they get done listening they can go online to other areas sources whatever we want to call them and seek out these matches that vsk has given us go back and let's let's do our Shawn michaels homework And let's go and relive some of those great memories. Yes. Let's talk about how you made the decision to become a professional wrestler. At what point in your life did you decide this is something that you wanted to pursue? And really, just tell me, Vinny, how did you break into the business? Uh, Well, I think for me, when Vince McMahon said the boyhood dream has come true, that rang so true with me that like it it shook me to my core to the point where I was like, okay, this guy uh, dreamt his whole life of being a professional wrestler and now he has reached the pinnacle. So that means that it's something that is achievable. It's something that, you know, actually can happen for somebody. And I, I said, this is the path that I'm going to go down. So that's 96. So I'm nine years old at this point and I'm already a super fan who's crying at Macho and Liz getting back together, you know, whatever that was three, four years earlier, no, five years earlier. Um, So I think that WrestleMania 12 match really solidified it for me that there was no other, there was no other path to take. I, I wanted to have a boyhood dream that gets to come true as well. Uh, Fast forward uh, after coaching a year uh, back at my high school. So I'm 20 years old now. I, you know, started lifting weights and trying to get myself in better shape because, like we just discussed, I was 135 pounds. Um, after I want to say maybe a year of trying to get myself uh, where I needed to be to start the journey, um, my wife actually saw in the newspaper that uh, Mike Bucci, uh, Simon Dean, um, Nova, all of these names. He was actually going to be in Deer Park, Long Island, which is about 15 minutes from me, and he was going to be doing a seminar. Uh, So I got home from work one day, and she said, okay, hey, guess what? Uh, Next Saturday, you're going to a wrestling seminar. I already signed you up. I already paid for it. Uh, And they said you can come down and, you know, do the whole thing. So I was like, holy crap. So I had never been in a ring, never been around a ring, didn't know anything about that other than watching uh, the MTV True Life, I Want to Be a Pro Wrestler. And I went down to the seminar and just got in the ring, started doing roles. Some of them I knew from like my amateur wrestling stuff, and then some of them I just winged it. And then they started doing bumps, and I remembered what they did on True Life, so I just gave it my best shot. And then seminar ended, whatever it was, two hours later, 
and I walked up to the owner of Victory Pro Wrestling, which is where I ended up uh, beginning my training. And then I walked up to uh, Nova and I said, hey, guys, uh, I want to join your school. Is there something I can do or whatever? And uh, I said, today was day one of ever being in a professional wrestling ring. And they were like, what? <laughs> how can you be getting in the ring and doing bumps before you learn how to take bumps? And I was like, I, I don't know. I guess I, it's just muscle memory because I've been watching this since I'm literally two years old. So obviously uh, they were or uh, it was uh, I'm sorry, just the, the guy, Donnie Bon Jovi, the owner of the school. Uh, he signed me up. We, you know, did the finances. And the following week I was at the school learning how to actually bump, not just from watching TV. What year is this? This is uh, 2007. So that that's the thing, and that's what's crazy to me is, you know, if you're someone who has just learned who VSK is, maybe through, you know, Cap TV or through the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, you're not this hey, overnight hey, sensation. I'm, I'm killing it on AEW Dark, so <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. We're not there yet. <laughs> But yeah, but that's that's my point is, you know, Vinny, you're not you're not this overnight success. Like you didn't just start wrestling a year ago, two years ago. I mean, you're you're upwards of 15 years in. Oh, boy. I hate when people bring that to my attention. But yes, uh, I've been uh, struggling my way through this for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, each year I, I just try and remind myself of how far I've come, but also you know, try and improve and get better because I'm not where I want to be just yet. So that means there's still more that needs to be done to get there. One of the things that you touched on was when you went to that seminar with Bucci, you were almost a natural, if you will, just in terms of knowing what to do in the ring, literally from watching it on TV. So once you got past the seminar and then you said the next week you started your actual real formal training, did it still come fairly easy to you in terms of learning how to take bumps properly? Walk us through the the progression of, you know, transforming yourself from young man who's never been around a ring, never been in a ring, to now signing up and paying for and attending wrestling school on a regular basis. Uh, well, because it was always my lifelong dream to just be in a ring, um, I was all ears and... I just want to teach me anything that you can show me any little thing and I will attempt it until I, you know, until I'm blue in the face and I will get it right. You know, however long it takes. Um, there were definitely things that came naturally. Uh, I, I think I, again, I credit that a lot to my athletic background of wrestling for so long. Um, things like, you know, doing the roles, like I said, landing on my back. Like I, I didn't have that, like, uh, timid factor or intimidation to kind of get in there and get my hands dirty. Uh, but I also think that a little bit hindered uh, my progression at first because I was taking to things relatively quickly. I think that I was at times um, not able to realize my place and realize how much more work I had to do. I just wanted more, more, more instead of like kind of focusing in and saying, let me, let me 100% nail this down before I move on to the next thing. Let me make sure I can do this, you know, uh, 10 out of 10 times before we're on to the next step. Uh, so uh, doing things 
kind of naturally is kind of a blessing and a curse because you still have to be humble enough to realize you don't know it all yet. Uh, and I think that definitely took a little time to sink in. I just wanted to go, 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 do everything to show off all, all of these little things that I can do. Uh, and maybe I was trying to run at times before I could walk steadily. Another thing that you'd mentioned was you had seen the MTV True Life I Want to Be a Pro Wrestler special yes. from the late 90s, early 2000s. All right, here's the deal, Vinny. You were uh, a kid when you saw this. Yes. And I'm I'm confident in saying you sat down, you watched this, you saw that jabron Rory Fox on there and said, if this guy can do it, I sure as hell can do it. Am I right? <laughs> Listen, I don't want to say anything bad about Rory Fox because he's been super supportive of, uh, to me on social media lately. I don't know what Matt's problem is with him. He seems like a nice enough guy to me. But, you know, I, I did think, okay, <laughs> uh, all, all shapes and sizes can, uh, can at least get an opportunity doing this. So we've talked about deciding to become a pro wrestler, going to the training seminar, starting your training. So how long after you started your formal official training, how long was it before it was determined, all right, VSK, you're ready to have your first match? I want to say it was eight months. Um, I think my first match was either August or September. And it's so long ago now that I honestly can't remember. But uh, I think I started in February, March. So maybe it was October then. Uh, it was like six or, or eight months uh, that I actually had my first match. And uh, I was very fortunate in that one of the senior students uh, to the wrestling school, Jay Delta, uh, he was my first match in a tag team match. And he 100% kind of led the way and helped me through the match. And we had a, you know, we had a plenty of time to train together because, he, like I said, he was one of the senior people at the school. So we were always in the ring together. And then I think that very much helped uh, me get through my first match. So you've wrestled, obviously, all over. And we're going to get to some of those places here in a minute. But really, you found a home at Creator Pro Wrestling. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you're the current Creator Pro Wrestling champion. Tell us, who did you defeat to win the title? And what were your initial thoughts of after the match, you've won the match, you've won the title, you're sitting there in the locker room, you're taking your boots off, you're, you're getting changed, and you're looking down or across the room, and you're staring at that Creator Pro title. The realization sets in. You're the champion. You're you're the man now with with Creator Pro. Who did you beat, and what were your initial thoughts after getting back to the locker room and just kind of decompressing and letting it all sit in? Set in. All right. This is going to be super long winded, so bear with me on this because uh, that the the title win means a lot to me uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, so I actually beat uh, Johnny Clash. Bear Bronson, Max Caster, uh, Smart Mark, and Pat Buck in a six-way uh, scramble match. Uh, Pat Buck was the champion, and I was the only person in the match who was not a former Creative Pro champion. So a very cool opportunity and a very cool outcome, obviously, uh, to be able to go in with all those people who had been the champion before 
and Pat Buck, who is one of the uh, co-founders of the school, one of the head trainers, and someone who I have you know known for a very long time and seen him do uh, so much in his wrestling career to get to be in the ring with him and defeat him for a title. That was like a super meaningful thing to me in itself. This was also uh, August 23rd, uh, 2019, which was exactly five weeks after I had my match on Monday Night Raw with the Viking Raiders, where I got injured and separated my collarbone. Um, when that first happened on the Raw, uh, I went down and I knew right away that I was hurt. And I, the first thought that went through my head was, how long am I going to be out for? And after being told I had separated my collarbone and getting MRIs and x-rays and talking to specialists and going to PT, I, I told them from my first session at PT, hey, I have this match coming up that I need to be there for. Like, I need to be back and I need to be back in five weeks. And they were like, that's not possible, but we can do our best. And I said, I don't care what you think is possible. I'm going to have this match. So uh, luckily for me, uh, I was in there with, you know, very good professional wrestlers. Uh, and I was I felt safe with them, to, you know, to say the least. And it was a huge, huge, huge uh, kind of weight off my shoulders to have a match, to get through it, and, you know, not re-hurt my shoulder. It was a huge thing that after being out of action with, like, I was in a sling for the first two or three weeks uh, after that injury, and then all of a sudden I'm in this match, and it's like I was sitting on my couch thinking, I don't know when I'm going to be able to wrestle again, I don't know when I'm going to be able to use my arm again, and then all of a sudden, within a month and a week, I'm now the Creative Pro champion. It's like it was just such a super emotional night. And like to to just chime in on this as well. Uh, when Creative Pro first opened, it was right around the time where I think I'd been wrestling for eight or nine years, and I was kind of burnt out because things weren't happening how I wanted them to. And I actually went to Creative Pro's open house because I was thinking about stopping wrestling altogether. And I went down to Creative Pro and I saw, I met Brian and I like officially met Pat and I just saw the vibe that was there and the space. And I said, this place is pretty cool. Let me give this a, a try before I decide that, you know, wrestling isn't going to work out for me. So to be at a place, you know, just a few years earlier where I'm like, eh, maybe I'm not going to wrestle anymore to being able to hold this championship that represents so many great people who came out of that school and such great training and such great trainers. It was just a, an overall super emotional day. So you mentioned obviously earlier, some places you've worked, you just mentioned here, you know, getting that opportunity to wrestle on raw, unfortunately you got hurt, but thankfully you were able to bust it and rehab and get back and not have any long-term effects from that. Not only have you been tearing up, the independent scene, you've been on Raw, you've had the opportunity over the last several months in 2020 and into 2021 to showcase that talent you have for All Elite Wrestling. Talk to us about your experiences working for AEW and what you've learned competing on Dynamite and on Dark. So AEW is this very cool thing because everybody there, it feels like everyone's working together, everyone's on the same page, and everyone's just trying to 
kind of prove their place in wrestling. And it, I mean, in a good way where everyone wants to have the best possible wrestling show, the best possible matches. Uh, everybody's trying to support everybody else and hold everybody else up for the betterment of the entire company. And that's not something you get everywhere you go uh, on, you know, also to add to that, AEW has a lot of people who I have wrestled over the years, a lot of people that I've helped train over the years, uh, a lot of just friends and people that I consider my wrestling family. So every time I get to go there, um, it's such a cool experience because it's it's literally just like hanging out with friends and family. And as far as what I've learned there, TV wrestling is a whole different beast. And sometimes when you're on the indies, you get to kind of do whatever you want, have a little more leeway. Uh, but everything is very purposeful there. And it's a TV show. And that, you know, reflects in what you're doing and in your matches and your personality and, and the moves and so on and so forth. So every time I get to get in an AEW ring, it's just like it's almost like finishing school where all of these things that maybe aren't a thought in independence and other matches they become like front and center and it's like a fun little test to see if you can hang with these people who are, you know, on TV every week, if you can hang and make it look like a, you know, a tough competitive television match and not just some guy who's off the Indies and doesn't belong there yet. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just been, it's been a fun learning experience. It's been a fun get to hang out with your friends experience. And uh, I, I've honestly really enjoyed my time there to the point where, that is, you know, the goal there. I'm sorry, the goal now. If I can get there and make that a consistent living, that would be the ultimate thing right now. I follow you on Twitter and Instagram at IsThatVSK. You're a fun follow. I encourage everyone listening, go follow you as well. But what I've noticed is your Instagram is just full of training pictures and videos. <laughs> we talked about this. I mean, you're someone who takes their appearance and your fitness and your overall health very seriously. Talk to me about your gym routine. Talk about your nutrition routine. Because, look, if they put a picture of you and me side by side and they said, hey, which one of these two guys pays attention to their caloric intake, goes to the gym <laughs> multiple times a week? They're damn sure not picking me, Vinny. So, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't look the way that you do just by counting calories. There's there's a whole regimen that goes into it. So, talk us through your your workout routine, your fitness routine, and and your nutritional habits. Well, well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I've always known. Like, it comes back to what I said earlier, where um, I still sometimes can see the 130 pound. Uh, child in the mirror that I once was. Uh, and I want to get as far away from that as I can, because I know that that is not necessarily the look that a TV wrestling company uh, is trying to put on their show. Uh, so that being said, uh, right now I train four days a week during the pandemic. I, I'm sorry, four. I train four days a week at my home gym that I built during the pandemic. Uh, and then I also two days a week go to Stoked Athletics uh, check them out on Instagram or Twitter. They are a small group uh, personal training uh, gym where the owner is someone that I met actually back in the day when I was flirting with the idea of becoming a power lifter. And he uh, specializes in training athletes and, you know, former athletes and people just who have an athletic background or 
people who are just trying to get into fitness. Uh, he has a very broad span of what he can do. And I, you know, I went to him and said, Hey, this is the goal I'm trying to achieve. This is how I want to look. This is how I want to feel. And for sure, he has helped a lot with getting me closer to that uh, goal so much. In fact, that I will tout the, you know, the workings of Stoked Athletics to the point where uh, I think we're up to now six or seven uh, Creative Pro students and trainers are going to Stoked Athletics to, you know, kind of take that little extra step and, you know, take their fitness a little more seriously. Um, but then uh, as far as the eating habits go, I would love to tell you that I'm super strict and that I'm counting all my calories and that I'm not eating handfuls of M&Ms every day that are sitting in the candy dish right by my front door. Uh, but what I have learned is how much I can get away with and how much I need to, you know, I, I kind of figured out when I need to be strict and when I'm allowed to give myself a break and have a beer on the weekends. But a lot of that just comes with trial and error. For years, I was the super skinny kid who couldn't put on weight, and I was able to just eat Wendy's and Taco Bell and McDonald's and just try and put on a pound. And then as I got older and my metabolism started to slow down, I kind of had to figure out, okay, I can eat healthy for five meals a day, six days a week, and then maybe on Saturday I can let go a little bit and do a little bit more uh, you know, drinking and have a pizza or have a burger or something like that. But I'm a firm believer in if you are willing to put in the work, you can kind of counteract whatever badness you're doing with your diet. Uh, so that's why I'm training six days a week because I don't want to have to limit myself because I, I like food sometimes. <laughs> yeah, some of us more than others. But no, <laughs> again, you're like I said, you're just it, it's very inspirational to to check out your stories and everything that you're posting and, you know, following you through the pandemic and, and watching you build the home gym. It was it was really cool. And so uh, obviously I and, and everyone else, you know, certainly applaud and recognize and notice all the work that you're putting in. I appreciate that, especially because, like, I feel like sometimes it can get annoying with like, or at least I perceive it as being annoying where I'm posting stuff about my workouts or selfies, uh, post-workout or little things like that. But it's also a way to keep me accountable where like, I know, Hey, I haven't posted that I'm training lately. I should do that so that I know what I'm doing in the gym as well as, you know, I'll show some people like, Hey, this is wrestler side of me trying to be always ready, LOL. And like, just, you know, I'm going to push myself because I'm not where I want to be yet, and I, I still have something left in the tank to show. Without question. All right. Save the best for last. Let's talk about FWF Live. How'd you like my always ready there? I feel like I let us right in. Perfect segue. You're a pro, kid. You're a pro. <laughs> yeah. For those who may be unaware... FWF Live is the very first live pro wrestling event promoted by the Major Pod Network. You, VSK, are in the main event of the inaugural FWF Live pay-per-view on Thursday, April 8th. You're going to be defending your Creator Pro Wrestling title against Matt Cardona. Vinny, tell me, what were your thoughts when you got the offer to main event the very first Major Pod Network pay-per-view against one of the most popular wrestlers in the last 10 years in Matt Cardona. 
Obviously, uh, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I'm uh, very good friends with uh, Brian Myers. I, I listen to the podcast. I own all of their shirts and stickers. So like when Brian reached out and said, hey, we're thinking about doing this live show. Would you want to be a part of it? I jumped on it right away. But then uh, Brian said, OK, you're going to defend the Creative Pro title against against Matt. And I was kind of like, OK. So you guys are trying to set him up to have like this big homecoming. This is my event. I'm going to win a title moment at my expense. And as much as I want to be a part of this show and I appreciate, you know, that I am going to be a part of this show, I do feel like they're kind of making this uh, this very sugary path to a championship for Matt. But... I don't think that he I think that he's so set that he's going to have this big moment and that's all he can think about that he's going to reboot some personality into me and take this title so that he can have his big moment. I don't think he's taking into account that like I just said, I take this title super seriously. I take creative pro wrestling super seriously. It means the world to me that I have this belt and I get to defend this place everywhere I go. So I'm not just going to be like some pushover for him and I'm not going to let him get his big moment at my expense and take away all the things that I've worked really hard for. I know he keeps saying that I'm, you know, on the cusp of a big break, but I'm not going to get it at his expense. I think it's quite the opposite. I think he's coming into my world. Uh, he's not the indie guy. He's the big TV wrestler. And now he's got to prove himself in my home at my game, and I don't have any problem saying I don't think he can hang with me. I think that Brian should be renting uh, an oxygen tank for that match because I don't know if if he's going to be able to make it through it. There you go, folks. Pretty strong words from the Creative Pro Wrestling Champion. Again, you can be part of history in the making with this debut of the Major Pod Network's presentation of FWF Live. Again, it all goes down on Thursday, April 8th on streaming pay-per-view. You can go to patreon.com slash FWF Live to find out how you can see this tremendous main event once again for the Creator Pro Wrestling title, the champion, our man, BSK, defending against always ready, Matt Cardona. Now, Vinny, as we get ready to wind things down here, I went to the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Patreon-exclusive Facebook group, and I asked the patrons there for some questions for our man, the champ. Are you ready? Hit me. Let's see him. Johnny Clash asks, what's it like <laughs> being the longest reigning cap champion during a pandemic? Love Clash, a.k.a. the <laughs> reigning former champ who defended it. I, I saw that, and Clash, I mean, I guess he has a little bit of a gripe. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't have any title offenses from March until June or July, uh, maybe even August. I forget exactly when. But I cannot help that the, the world shut down, and I was very much ready to defend this title every week, every month. I, I had some big title matches. I got to defend the title against Ethan Page before uh, 
he, you know, he debuted on AEW, obviously, but he was the Impact Tag Team Champion at the time. So I was ready to take all comers, and I actually looked this up because I did see Clash's comments, and I've defended the title 11 times so far, which I believe is more times than Clash did in his former longest reign. Can't argue facts. Exactly. Our friend John from the Coming Down the Aisle podcast asks, describe how it's going to feel when you reboot some humbleness back into Matt Cardona. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible to, to reboot humbleness into, into Matt Cardona. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think that he is so high on himself that he hasn't even thought about the, the possibility that he's not going to have his big homecoming moment. And uh, listen, I'm friends with the guy, uh, but like I said, he's coming to my house, and I do look forward to seeing his face after I pin his shoulders to the mat, and he doesn't get to have his moment. And our last question comes from Brian Lyons. When you beat Matt to retain, can my guy Philip Cardigan get the next title shot? Oh, man, I, I'm a big fan of Philip Cardigan. Uh, I, I hope everyone understands how, how far he has come in the last two years. Because uh, I knew him from his first day of training, and the way that he has improved is so astronomical. I would love to give him a title match. Like I said, I'm a fan, but also when it comes to the cap title, I'm not really playing friends here. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat everybody that gets in my way because this belt means a lot to me, and it's really pretty. I have it sitting next to me for this interview for a little inspiration, and it's such a nice belt. I don't want to give it to anybody else. Vinny, I appreciate you making time to come on the podcast when you've got a million things going on. Again, this is the week of FWF Live. Everything goes down on Thursday, April 8th. But go ahead and one last time, give a plug. Where can folks find you online and make sure you plug your Pro Wrestling Tea store? Uh, yes. Okay. So Instagram and Twitter, I am is that VSK. Uh, like we said earlier, if you if you like seeing gym selfies and uh, <laughs> workouts and pictures of, of me wrestling, hey, give me a follow because there's going to be a lot of that. And I like to retweet my kids uh, from Creative Pro. So if you like anything to do with Chris Statlander and MJF, my Twitter is your place to be. Uh, and then my Pro Wrestling Tees is uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash VSK. I saw, I saw you were wearing one of my shirts. I super appreciate that. Um, I got some fun designs over there and I think, I think one might be getting added, uh, sooner than later. We'll have to see how FWF goes. All right. Well, there you go. There you hear it from the man himself, the champion, the creator pro wrestling champion, VSK. Thank you, champ. Best of luck to you on April 8th. David, thank you, man. This was a good time. I hope you enjoyed our feature conversation this week with independent wrestling star VSK. Vinny is someone that I got to know early on in my time in terms of being affiliated and associated with the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. VSK is a great wrestler, he's a great human being, and I cannot wait to see him go one-on-one with Matt Cardona on Thursday, April 8th as part of FWF Live. Again, this is a streaming pay-per-view event that is being brought to you by the Major Pod Network. You can go to patreon.com slash fwflive to see all of the ordering options. Hey, if for nothing else, me, Commissioner, 
David C. Anderson from the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast is going to be part of a pro wrestling pay-per-view in 2021. My goodness, what is happening to this country? Big thanks to VSK for the chat. I certainly appreciated it. And that's going to do it for us here this week. As always, please wear a mask, wash your hands, be kind to one another, and Jesus loves you. We'll chat again next week. Thank you.